brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we're talking scary movies. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with the audio version available 30 minutes prior on all your favorite podcasting platforms. If you want the audio version, just go and search Twasm or T Watches a Scary Movie. You can find it on all your favorite platforms. And the video version, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Uh, make sure to like this and subscribe to it as well, too. So you can stay alert of all my new horror goodness coming out there as well. Find me on Letterboxd as well, too. Uh, uh, the letterbox where I'll be posting all my written reviews, which I've tried to do really good with, with uh, the films I've seen this year so far, uh, including the movie I'm going to be reviewing tonight, There's Something Wrong with the Children. Uh, I have a number of reviews on there, including uh, I just got done actually reviewing the House Party reboot that just, uh, that just came out now, um, which surprisingly is better than you think it might be. And I know that's non-horror, but that's all the more reason to go find me on letterbox folks you can find my letterbox link in the description to this video as well in the audio description uh, on the podcast version of that but tonight i am going to be talking as i've already mentioned i'm going to be reviewing the movie there's something wrong with the children as well i'm also going to be talking about episode two of the last of us and sharing some sh uh sharing some thoughts on that and uh you know these are going to be in-depth reviews y'all because uh I again like i i feel that the last of us has been amazing it's been amazing in these two episodes um there there is no video game curse the show is fantastic but I also feel that this adaptation has been so, uh, like, so one-to-one, -one, like, it is so identical to the video game that I feel that deep diving into reviews doesn't really do the service that it probably deserves at that point. Play the game. Play the game. Watch the show, obviously, but I'm not going to do, like, you know, you know 20-minute reviews or anything on these, not because they don't deserve it, but just because I feel that... Um, we're, uh, in, in this case, number one, I'm trying to avoid, uh, like huge, huge spoilers for what's going to happen in the game. But also I just feel that ultimately it's just so close. Like other stuff that we've talked about on the show, I, I reviewed the Resident Evil series last year. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, yellow jackets and things like that. Dexter, that's, that's a completely different story, but this just feels like I'd be kind of undercutting it by doing that. I don't know. I don't know, but whatever. Um, episode two. If you recall, episode one ended off with uh, Joel, uh, Joel ultimately uh, probably killing, but at least beating the shit out of this guard who caught uh, himself, Ellie and Test, leaving the QZ uh, and getting like getting flashbacks, getting that PTSD from his own daughter's death 20 years prior, uh, basically beats the shit out of this guard as a way for him, Tess and Ellie to escape. And in episode two, they wisely decide to start off with another flashback, which looks to be uh, hopefully a running theme of this show because we got it in episode one, kind of explaining that, hey, uh, we do need to worry about funguses because funguses are what's going to cause us problems down the line with John Hanna and uh, Christopher Christopher Heidel, I think is how his name's pronounced, uh, who some of y'all should know from like Stargate Atlantis and uh, uh, Von, uh, Van Helsing and a few other things. Um, I thought the flashback was great in episode one and in episode two, they give us another flashback that happens a few days prior to, uh, everything that happened like with Joel and Tommy and, and, and Joel's daughter. 
and this is set in Indonesia, I believe, and it's showing one of the initial cases of an outbreak occurring. So this is not patient zero by any means when it makes sense that it's patient zero, but we have the ability to see in a completely different area of the world, one that we're not experienced in seeing in either the games uh, in the games at all. So this is like new ground for us to cover, but we see uh, one of the ways that this virus is breaking out at this point and basically saying that there is no hope. There's no vaccine. There's no cure. Uh, like the only thing you can do is destroy everybody that's infected with it as a way to stop it from spreading. And I think it's a very important thing that they're pointing out given what happens by the end of this episode because the point is supposed to be that there is no fixing this. If this virus gets out, the world is completely screwed at this point. And that takes us back to present day where uh, Joel, Joel and Tess are trying to find out from Ellie um, why are they escort, uh, escorting her? Why are they taking her to this Firefly outpost when they could, you know, literally take her anywhere else? And we find out that Ellie is supposedly immune. And again, we've known that from episode one, but this is Joel, Joel and Tess finding out, which makes it a little bit more real. But Joel and Tess find out that Ellie is supposedly immune. And of course, there's going to be, there, there's going to be disbelief. There's going to be hesitancy about it because it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years since this virus, this outbreak has occurred and decimated the entire planet as we now know based on what happened in the beginning of the episode, but this is uh, the first real bit of hope that might exist. And again, we know as viewers that this should be real hope because again, Ellie hasn't turned. Ellie hasn't turned yet. Uh, she clearly has this bite. And so this actually shows real hope, but we also haven't seen enough of the infected yet to where we really know the scope and the scale of everything that's going on. And I don't say that as a bad thing, because obviously we're still very, very early in the season. But if you get what, I, what I'm kind of meaning, it's that usually in, uh, like we're going to use zombie media because that's the closest thing we have to it. But in a zombie movie, zombie TV show, anything like that, um, we get to spend a little bit of time as seeing of how that zombie virus has just affected, you know, the town, the city, the world, wherever the uh, our characters are actually at and how they are just absolutely desperate for a cure. And in the first episode, yeah, we do get to see that, you know, folks are living co completely like in poverty at this point. The world is completely just broken down over the course of 20 years. You know, money is it has a completely different meaning than it did before. And I know the whole idea is it's like, look, if you get a vaccine, all this goes back to normal, but we haven't seen enough of how savage people out there can be and dealing with the, uh, with like uh, various clickers and other infested, uh, in infected out there. It's just hard to immediately be on. We need a cure bandwagon. And I, I kind of get that. And again, sounds like I'm saying a bad thing, but I'm just saying that in the game, in, in the game by then you had already played for a few hours. And the way that most of us are watching this show, you know, episodically, I feel it just doesn't have the same impact. And that's okay. That's okay. Cause the show is still ph phenomenal. And of course we revisit this later when we find out that Ellie herself got bit uh, in an encounter that the three have with more infected, but not only Ellie, but Tess gets bit as well too. 
and to where we're really playing that parallel off because uh, if they didn't believe Ellie before, Ellie's been bit now, nothing's happening, there's your proof, whereas Tess's condition is already getting worse. And it brings it back around to what happened at the beginning of the episode because Tess is very much a non-believer like Joel to where they're, they're living in the now. There's no, no hope, no purpose, and focusing on vaccines and what could cure this and what could happen here, focusing on what you can do. But now that this is a reality for Tess, she has to believe it more, uh, believe it enough for her and Joel, because she has to motivate this group of theirs to actually continue on, because we find out that the Fireflies they're hoping to bring uh, bring Ellie to are all dead. And so there's another, uh, there maybe there's another place they can take her ultimately, but they're going to find another Firefly outpost. They're going to find Tommy and hopefully get an idea of what to do, because this gives real stakes to it you know we get to see somebody that uh, a character we've actually been familiar with at this point get infected and so this is bringing actual stakes to everything that's going on now beautiful uh, every everything and i think that's the the top thing people will say about this show is that it does capture the beauty from the games that you know there's they're in boston this time around and just seeing like various things around Boston, which I've only been to Boston like a couple of times. I don't, you know, I couldn't recognize it all that well myself. But looking at it, though, it's like, man, this is, this seems like, if not accurate, it's at least amazingly, amazingly beautiful. And I think that in episode two, we're seeing our actors slip more into these roles that they're in, uh, especially in the case of Bella Ramsey, to where, you know, I, I think I had said in uh, talking about episode one that. Um, I was having some issues kind of getting on board with her as Ellie. And that's not a knock against her because Bella Ramsey is a fantastic actress. Absolutely fantastic actor. Um, but I like I, I don't know if I was if I was necessarily seeing Ellie in her and this episode, oh, sunk right in there. At this point, I was literally watching a cutscene from the game. And I think that's phenomenal. And we got some awesome, awesome tense chase scenes with some clickers and affected as well, which was so good just because of the fact that it's a daytime set scene. And again, if you played The Last of Us, you know that so much of this is set during the day, which helps make it scarier. And I'm glad to see that tension is being kept up when dealing with the infected. And also it's just showing how like, how lethal these things are, how dangerous that they are. Because in a video game, it's so easy, no matter how you time, how many times you die, that, look, if I just shoot him right in the head there as a game, I'm done, I can move on, everything's good. And seeing in this that navigating around these infected, killing them, they are not us. They are not playing, playing these video games. They are really experiencing it and just how absolutely terrified they all are. Even the gruff Joel, who puts out this very, very like brave and strong presence, just how terrified all three of them are. I'm looking forward to the next episode because the next episode looks to be our first major variation from the game itself to where we're gonna get to see um, the backstory of smugglers Bill and Frank, who we know Bill from the game, um, and we get to see a little, a little bit, a little bit of info about his backstory in the game. And we're obviously going to explore that way more here in the TV show, at least in this one episode. Don't know if that means that Bill's going to be a recurring, uh, recurring character, but at least in episode three, we're going to get to see, uh, get to see just a dedicated episode looks like on Bill and Frank's relationship. So I'm looking forward to that next week. Make sure you check it out on HBO Max if you haven't already.
And that's going to take me here to my movie review tonight. I am talking, there's something wrong with the children. Now, uh, horror movies in the way that their stories can take numerous twists and turns, I, I, I feel sometimes can make you wonder if some of your favorite movies would still be a favorite if the story took a very, very different turn than from what came out on screen. Like, what if in uh, what if in Scream 1, the killer was Sidney's father, as like they kind of played up through the majority of the film? What if in Psycho, Norman Bates' mother was actually alive and committing these murders? Uh, what if Robert Thorne was actually able to kill Damien in the Omen series? And these are very big swings, obviously, but even then these swings are not big enough to where i feel they can wreck a movie as much as they very much would change the tone of the film and um again i know it would wreck what's so perfect about them but we don't know that for sure and i feel there are movies that are out there that are very much telling us like if one thing changed uh this could be much better than what it is and I say that because it seems there was a clear point where there's something wrong with the children. Um, it, it could have committed to its ultimate path without, uh, without coming off just like icky, just like gross. And I'm trying to stay away from major spoilers, but um, the movie here uh, tells about a foursome of adults, which is funny using that term considering one of the plot devices of this film but a foursome of adults are going to spend a week and away in their cabin along with one of the couple's children and after a uh, after the children disappear for a little bit they've returned but something seems off with them and this is a case to where is there something actually wrong with the children hence the name or could this be you know the uh the misconceptions behind somebody who is uh clearly had mental health issues in the past. And that was a plot point that really kind of stood out to as a sore thumb to me. Um, I don't know, it, it felt a tad bit uncomfortable and unnecessary that uh, the major crux of this story uh, involves the character saying that, the, this character saying they saw something, but what they saw is impossible. And because they have prior mental health issues, it gets questioned the entire time. And as the movie goes on, this character, like, you know, seems to be coming more and more unhinged, but they're not really becoming unhinged. They're really trying to point out, like, all these weird things that are happening with, the chi uh, with like, the children. And regardless of whether we find out, okay, is there something wrong with this, this character who, who has had mental health issues in the past? Is there something actually wrong with the children? Regardless of the way that it, it's done, the problem is, is that it's so extremely clunky and the way they go about displaying this just seems so mean-spirited that we, in my opinion, we don't really care about which way, uh, like which way it's ultimately gonna go because they treat this character like absolute trash. And I really do feel that that was something that could have been pulled from the movie, like the mental health background, and everything could still work just because the movie does not play into these mental health issues this one character is having like enough for it to actually be worth putting into that story. Like it could just, the, this story could have worked just as fine 
if the character is saying, look, like, there's something up with these kids. There's something wrong with the, with the children, again. <laughs> uh, but there's something wrong with these kids, and why don't y'all believe me? We've seen that in other movies before. It's, it's a common plot device. It's nothing I think anybody would have gotten annoyed at seeing or hearing again at this point. But in 2023, when we know so much more about mental health than we have, you know, any year prior before, it just seems weird for that to kind of be hammered in when it doesn't add anything, in my opinion, to the plot itself. This character is no more believable or unbelievable because they've had mental health problems in the past, and the movie doesn't really portray that well enough. Actor does the fine job with it, but the movie doesn't portray that. It doesn't follow the, that thread even close to well enough to where it seems justified that it's in there. And it really weighs the story story down, I feel, because the problem is, is that we get to a pivotal twist in this film, which is, you know, kind of what I was starting off to talk, talk about. We get to a pivotal point in this film to where we find out what's actually going on. You know, is this the hallucinations? Is this, uh, you know, a character just losing their mind? Or is something actually fucked up with these kids? And when we find out what's really going on, the problem is, is that we're just telling two completely different stories and neither one gets fleshed out well enough. You know, the first story talks about how both of these couples are, are having a lot of issues in their in their different relationships and the different things that they're trying in order to, you know, see what could come out of it. And this other story is like, oh, something's creepy going on. And they don't utilize the first part that's about these two couples and the problems that they have. They don't use that enough to where it can be leveraged in the second part with everything creepy that's going on. It, it doesn't leverage it enough at all. And the problem is, is because neither side seems that well balanced, they're both unbalanced. It's not scary enough but it's also not dramatic enough to really make up for two different stories trying to be told. Um, and I mean, the children themselves in the film do an absolute fantastic job. They swap between being mischievous, playful kids and like these evil menacing terrors all throughout the film. And I think they do a wonderful, wonderful job to where, yeah, of course, I'd have an issue working out whether or not this is just me or whether these kids are actually causing issues. But having young actors that can do both convincingly will always stand out no matter whether or not I, I think the movie's that good or, or whatever. And uh, Briella Guiza uh, and David Maddell, they kept giving me an urge to look over my shoulder while I was watching this movie. So they did really, really good in the film. The cast themselves all do a, a phenomenal job. But there just was something missing from it and the fact that it just came off uncomfortable and a bit cluttered didn't sit well with me it's also not a particularly bloody film we don't really witness too many deaths on screen um though one character does catch a cleaver through the shoulder so we do get some blood for sure but I left off feeling that there had to be a different cut of this movie somewhere out there just because of how unbalanced it is. I'm hoping that wasn't intentional and there's stuff out there that could form just a more cohesive movie, but who knows? I mean, that goes back to the writing, in my opinion, more than the directing, but we'll find out uh, hopefully here in the next coming months if there's any kind of physical release that maybe there is an extended version or an alternate version of here. Movie is ultimately effective at showcasing creepy kids, but ultimately 
Uh, there's something wrong with the children. Doesn't commit to one particular story enough to maintain a watchable tone. And, and instead it comes off as unfinished and slightly unrealized. Roy here is a big fan of Fangoria. So if you want to check out the world's best horror magazine that's out there, get a chance to get yourself your own subscription, which I just got my first one back in 2022, and I don't regret it for a second. But if you want your own Fangoria subscription or you like the Fangoria merchandise, then head over to the Fangoria shop and use my link if you want to save yourself some money, folks. That's an easy one to remember. Just go to shop.fangoria.com slash A-X-D-E-W. Again, that's shop.fangoria.com Fangoria.com slash AXDEW or use my specific code AXDEW at checkout. You can save 20% off your entire order and that implies two uh, subscription and one-time orders as well. You don't want to miss out, folks, because with the magnitude of horror movies we've had released in the last few years and with what we have on the horizon, Fangoria is going to be your number one source for all that great juicy bloody information in the world of horror. So again, head to shop.fangoria.com. Hey there, folks. Thanks for tuning in to T-Watch This Scary Movie. I appreciate you checking out another review or movie news, whether we're talking movies, TV shows, books, or games, whatever. It's all scary. Remember, you can check out new episodes every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on the YouTube page video. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Scary Movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. And you can check out the audio version on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Just search T Watch the Scary Movie or Twaza. Don't forget, my name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.